0: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Chalino! Robbie Robby, Robby,
1: pass,
0: Hello and a happy Friday to everyone. Hope you're set up for a, a lovely weekend. Murray Kinsley here with you on the Forty Two Rugby Weekly, and Kieron Kennedy is on the other line. How are you, Kieron? Just back from the Aviva Stadium. What's the, the mood in the camp?
1: Yeah, how's it going, Murray? Um, yeah, good. It was um, just I'm literally just back in the door, and there's actually there's a real feeling of a big match weekend already. The kind of flags are out around the Aviva Stadium. There's kegs being rolled into pubs as you're getting to kind of train in. You, you, you feel there's a big match coming. And, um, no, yeah, Leo Cullen was up for a bit of media this morning and kind of feels relaxed anyway. He looked pretty relaxed and was kind of happy to go down memory lane about previous battles with Toulouse. So, um, no, yeah, it's all kind of shaped up nicely. Massive weekend ahead again.
0: Mm, no surprise in the Leinster team, unchanged in the 15. Unfortunately, Tommy O'Brien's picked up an ACL injury in training, which is... Yeah, really unfortunate for him given his, his form. So, Kieran Frawley comes in there. Joe McCarty keeps his place in the bench. No real surprise, Kieran, given what Leinster got, particularly in the first half last week, that they've gone unchanged.
1: Yeah, we kind of expected as much, didn't we, really? Um, it's one of the reasons I suppose they were able to keep their kind of frontliners at home during their South Africa trip. They, they have a good idea of what their strongest 15 and even their strongest 23 is at the moment. Um, once everybody was fit, given particularly how they played in that first half against Leicester this weekend, I think this is the team we all expected to see and probably the team to lose has been preparing for.
0: Mm. Jimmy O'Brien and Keane Healy obviously coming through their return to play protocols as well as a boost. O'Brien's been excellent um, and Healy obviously giving you so much experience and now it's off the bench the toulouse team looking pretty similar again juan cruz malia is back from from suspension on the right wing you've got cyril boy coming into the front row a loose head not a bad starter there and anthony gilanch another grand slam winner coming into the back row with um flamand dropping to the bench so yeah there's a couple of changes there on a 22 and 23 martin Pajarello and zach holmes are, are coming in there not a huge shift again either kieran but i suppose the challenge for for Toulouse is is finding that energy after what has been a really short week for them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's a huge challenge for Toulouse. What they've been asked to do over the last two weekends, you know, is massive. Going away from home, two weekends in a row, and playing in front of um, a strong away crowd—it's it, a big one to get up for. And their their week will obviously have been disrupted a little bit with the extra travel time they have to put in for that. It probably explains some of the changes around the team, particularly when you consider they went to extra time last week and just how draining that is. And even mentally just kind of preparing yourself for this challenge again. Like Leinster have spoken at length throughout the year about how much they wanted to be playing, you know, home quarterfinals, home semifinals and everything that comes with that. You know, there's a reason for that. The home team generally wins these big knockout games. It's a massive ask for Toulouse. There has been a feeling with them that, you know, they haven't been their best this year and maybe a big performance is coming. Is is this the weekend? You know, we'll find out tomorrow.
0: Mm. They'll have to be better. Like, let's be blunt about it. They've been so loose with their possession, so many turnovers. Leinster will just absolutely eat that up if they give up similar opportunities. We know they have great scoring power. We know they just refuse to die, as we saw last weekend against Munster in a game where they probably should have been put away And um, and Munster will have big regrets over that. There's so many different areas we could discuss and focus on Kieran, but but let me ask you for one maybe that sticks out in this contest as as something that you're going to be keeping a really close eye on
1: yeah when you said to me this morning to kind of pick out an area I was most looking forward to you know I, I thought about maybe trying to pick something more interesting or thoughtful but then I decided that like if I'm being honest my answer just has to be the blinding obvious which is the sheer quality of the attacking players that we're going to see on the pitch tomorrow Um. In terms of that, it's even hard to single people out, I think, because you can kind of just list 15 to 9 on each team and there's just so much there to be excited about. For like From a Leinster perspective, James Lowe's in the form of his life, Jimmy O'Brien, the sole non-international in the Leinster backline who's completely holding his own and looks well set to tour New Zealand this summer, you would think Robbie Henshaw looking like his old self again, and then the halfbacks are just so instrumental. When when Leinster lost to La Rochelle last season, Ross Byrne and Luke McGrath were the starting Leinster halfbacks and both played the full 80 minutes. I think Kieran Frawley and Rowan Osborne were the cover on the bench that day. Now, like they're both quality players, but Johnny Sexton and Jameson Gibson-Park, it just represents a serious step up. That's a world-class, test-level halfback pairing. And I think that could be key for Leinster tomorrow in terms of getting them on the front foot and just that momentum that they want to play with in the game, the tempo they want to bring to everything they do. Then you look at Toulouse, like we all know what Antoine Dupont and Roman Entemac are capable of, and it's difficult to say anything that hasn't already been said. But but maybe just on that, I thought it was interesting that Munster managed to do a decent job of keeping Dupont quiet last week. They put him under a lot of pressure, but as much as Dupont kind of hogs the headlines, sometimes you know they're not a one-man team. And while stopping Dupont is great, it's not enough. And Leo Leo Cullen was just speaking about that this morning. Actually, it's it's that balance of trying to keep. Uh, tabs on him and the support lines that he runs but also not getting too drawn in on one player which can then open up opportunities elsewhere on the pitch. Entomac had a big influence last week Thomas Ramos brings so much quality in what he does. Peter Aki is maybe slightly underrated in terms of what he offers. You know LaBelle stepped up last week as well. There's just so much there and I know it's very wide-ranging to say that the thing I'm looking forward to most is the attacking capabilities of both teams' back lines. But I think if, if you think of where we were this time last season, stadiums were still empty. People were watching these games at home. Even the lucky few like us who were getting in behind the turnstiles, like there was no atmosphere. And that's what makes European rugby so special. Then we went on into a Lions tour that just dragged along really, and there were concerns about the direction the game was heading. Maybe to look back on that and see where we are now, coming out of a really enjoyable Six Nations. We've had some great games in Europe and now we're looking forward to another massive weekend and a bumper crowd coming to the Viva to watch two teams that would make you want to put your hand in your pocket to watch them. The same goes for Sunday semi-final. It's just great to be looking forward to a blockbuster weekend of rugby where it's almost a guarantee that we're going to see lots of quality moments in attack. I mean, that's what excites people and that's what attracts people to any sport. So, yeah, I can't wait for it.
0: Yeah, I'll happily take them slugging it out and the defences uh, crumbling at all times. <laughs> because as I say, the the armoury there is is unreal. And, and you're dead right to flag a few of those Toulouse guys. Like Thomas Ramos arguably gives the most impressive individual performance of anyone last weekend. Obviously incredibly assured off the tee. He took those two difficult place kicks to the right-hand side where, where Healy missed both of his... He looked so relaxed and composed, didn't he? Even before the shootout, I don't know if it was caught on camera, but he was really chit- chit-chatting away to Ben Healy. Not sure what he was saying, but he was really painting a picture of someone very relaxed. During the game, obviously, his, his kicking is really important, both out of hand, off the tee. He's also a bit of a playmaker for them. Even that lovely inside pass for um, Pierre Fusak for a big line break at a time to lose, needed one, uh, was really, really impressive. And it's kind of baffling when you see that level of performance that he's not more thoroughly involved with France, but again, an illustration of their depth. Peter Aki is probably another one who's kind of unsung in that Toulouse backline. We remember him having that brief stint at Connacht, but probably didn't imagine the, the player that he'd become when he moved on or that indeed he'd move on to Toulouse. But he's like the robust rock in, in midfield with all those um, stardust players all around him. He, he kind of glues it all together, really composed on the ball, and he's a very aggressive defender, which is obviously just as important as, as the attacking stuff. I loved LaBelle's incredible footwork last weekend. Like Simon Zebo will be having flashbacks about that one, but it, there was nothing he could do, really. Just the ability to dance at that speed, to suddenly stop, move laterally, and re-accelerate again was was stunning. So I'm totally in agreement with you there. The bit I probably picked out is a bit of a contrast. Sell. I, I can't wait to see the, the battle of the forwards because this has been a bit of a trope around Leinster and their shortcomings in Europe over the last couple of years is that power game when they get up against it a team like to lose with the big units they have Um, can they really handle that and are they exposed to it often enough in in regular season games we've spoken about it plenty on this pod and now we get a nice opportunity to see how Leinster have developed in that regard they had a frustrating one last weekend The, the scrum didn't go well five penalties conceded and definitely looking back in more detail there's probably inconsistency there. They were frustrated with Matthew Reynald's decision-making and I can definitely see some of them as 50-50s where it just didn't go Leinster's way. But it is the concession of five penalties and Carl Dixon, the referee for tomorrow, does have that in his mind and it's definitely an, an area where Toulouse were really powerful against Munster. I actually think it won them the game, really. Like, you look at it and obviously the the winning kicks, etc., the penalty shootout and holding their nerve but the, the scrum kept them in the game and it, it was vital to most if not all of their scores so they've shown their quality as I said boys coming back in there Marchand and Aldegeri are real strong scrummagers Marchand probably the leader in that area and when you've got Rory Arnold and um, Emmanuel Miafu behind you you've got a whole lot of grunt coming on as well as Mauvaca who's one of the best hookers in the world coming off the bench with Nettie and Ainu who are really powerful as well so it's going to be an onslaught for, for Leinster but I would like to think that they have had that improvement, that they have learned harsh lessons in the past, and they do have power of their own. You know, they may not have exactly the same kind of bulk, but they've got Furlong, who's world class in that area, and um, Keller and Sheehan, two of the best hookers, alongside Marchand and, and Mauvec, Mauvaca as well. Um, and Ryan coming back even, he's great around that that set piece area. So there is a kind of the, there'll be the flashy stuff, but the, the stuff around the set piece is going to be massive as well. Even line-out as well. James Ryan had a couple of brilliant steals last weekend, but the mall, as we mentioned in, in Monday's Members Podcast, gave up a lot of momentum actually early in that second half against Leicester where they won two penalties at mall time. They go into the corner, get more momentum off their mall and score in the left-hand corner. And I know it was only consolation, but Nick Dolly goes over on a mall late in the game as well. And you can imagine Toulouse, who didn't actually... Maul a whole lot against Munster. They kind of played those peel plays around the back. Um that was a, a clear tactical decision with great reward as in the, the label try, but I think they'll probably be looking to test Leinster's um might, I suppose, in that area as well. So it is kind of like a a complete battle, isn't it, Kieron? As you said, it feels like big game. It feels like a test match, doesn't
1: it? Oh absolutely, yeah. And and just on what you're saying there, I think it is interesting because Apparently Leinster were genuinely very wary of the physical and kind of set-piece threat that Leicester could pose last week, with memories of La Rochelle and Saracens in in mind, in mind, their mind, no doubt. I, I'm just curious how much that actually plays in their mind, and is there a little kind of doubt there that might allow Toulouse just get into Leinster's heads if they can get an early advantage around the set-piece, maybe? Like, the mental part of the game is so, so important, and I just wonder, is it one area that maybe Leinster don't have full and total confidence in because we just still haven't really seen them have to come out of a scrap like that in a tight fight like even as much as Leicester tested them at times last week you know the game was over and they were like Leinster were so clearly ahead that you know they were never going to be dragged back so I, I think that's just the one area that Toulouse can maybe try get a bit of an upper hand on Leinster and I, I, it'll just be fascinating to see how Leinster would respond in that scenario because again we just haven't really had to see them have to do that yet.
0: Mm, such a psychological area of the game like one mole can can really set you back and dip those confidence levels and there's a whole lot of technical stuff around it obviously but it is that kind of psychological and that sense that you're on top playing on top of a team that's that's really key just briefly on the other semi-finals Racing versus um, Stade Rochelle which we'll discuss on, on Monday in the members podcast with Birch and Gav obviously in great detail And I know Birch as a, um, a French rugby lover will be all over that one as well You've seen we've seen the teams there. Nothing again, majorly surprising at this stage of the competition. You wouldn't expect it. Um, La Rochelle don't have Will Skelton back, which is obviously a disappointment for them. But what's your your sense on that one, Kieron?
1: Yeah, very very tight. I think I think I'd be edging just towards La Rochelle, given some of the power they just they have in their squad, and even with the taking the loss of Skelton into account, um, it's a very tight game. And like they they were both fantastic. To watch last weekend as they have been for a lot of the season, um, yeah, brassing again, losing home advantage with with you know another concert sending rugby packing. Um, uh, it's very very tight, but I'm I'm just edging towards Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle to get over the line. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm with are there? Interesting. To see, um, Lavani Botia moved to the bench with uh, Sanzel coming into midfield. Uh, maybe a tactical decision, or maybe something. F- health wise or fitness wise not quite sure but two very strong 23s and it's going to be an absolute cracker on sunday couple other things we want to touch on before we wrap for the weekend james cronin's move to leicester confirmed ahead of next season kieran feels like a great move for him having spent that time with beer they've obviously had a tough season he's enjoyed the experience as far as i'm aware why wouldn't you over in beer surfing on the beach and living the life down there but this is a nice step up back into the kind of big time for him it is absolutely um it will be a very different experience life in Leicester compared to life in Biarritz
1: but and you know it's a great move from there's there's a few people who think he could still be doing a job in a Munster shirt you know um, I I thought it was interesting like the first uh, line of the Leicester press release from Steve Borthwick was that James is a physical player and you know that's exactly what being a forward at Leicester involves you know it's it's a real test of your kind of crop credentials, I think, going there. It's been a busy couple of days for, for Leicester. They've got Anthony Watson coming in as well. They've signed Jimmy Gopper, who has so much Premiership experience. A couple of other reinforcements coming in as well, and guys like Chris Aston signing contract extensions. It's going to be interesting to see where they go over the next few seasons. You know, they're, they're leading the Premiership and in a really good position there, but they were kind of came up well short against Leicester last week in Europe. And With the history and pedigree they have, you'd like to see them kind of be at that top table more regularly. It's one to watch with interest. Like they've some key men moving in the other direction as well, in Ellis Genge and George Ford. Y- you hope they can kind of build on the, me- the momentum that they've kind of created this year, and that you know hopefully Crona can play a big part in that because he's he's a quality player and he still has plenty to offer. So it'll be interesting to see the direction that Tigers team heads. Mm,
0: indeed, I think Leo Cullen a few weeks ago was and um, tipping Steve Borthwick as an ex-England coach as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It is hard not to see the Cronin one in the prism of Munster and, and think, what if, you know, he probably would have started against Toulouse Lou said, if he was still there. And given his experience and his, his nous, maybe he would have done a really good job there for them. However, you wouldn't have had 22-year-old Josh Witcherly getting an unbelievably important start in his career trajectory, doing superbly around the pitch in particular, obviously learning some lessons around scrum time um but Munster they decided that his, I suppose, um potential was, was worth backing and I think we've seen plenty of reward as well as being able to recognise that yeah Cronin there then with his experience would have would have been really helpful and and definitely felt hard by when he hard done by rather when he when he left. I think Munster tried to do a bit of a U-turn when he was approached by conic but that one didn't work out for him and i think it's just brilliant to see irish guys go abroad have good experiences and and now he's back in a really good place with plenty of years ahead you would imagine um certainly as a as a prop just lastly then um on munster andy kiriakou has been confirmed now as the the forwards coach which is a big step up Kieran. but it's nice for him to get another piece of their coaching team in place albeit one that Probably isn't going to grab as many headlines or, or attract as many eyes, I think, given his relative, I suppose, lack of, you know, um, big name compared to Leamy and, and Prendergast.
1: No, it's it's not quite a headline appointment, but I, I, I think it's a, I still think it's a positive one. And um, I think continuity is a good thing here. You know, they've got Mike Prendergast coming in next season, who who is a monster man, but he's been away from the environment you know, we think them Dennis Leamy is coming back in. Similar situation. He's been out involved with Leinster the last while. Kiriakou knows the Munster system and, and knows a lot of these young forwards who will be hoping to push through under Roundtree over the next few years. Even the fact that we have seen so many young promising forwards emerge there over the last year or so will give you confidence that this is a good appointment. Like... Roundtree, Prendergast, Gleamy, Kiriakou, when you look at the makeup of Van Graan's coaching team, like it's a different direction, isn't it? It's, it's Munster men, it's men who know Munster, and we saw last weekend in the Aviva that that connection is a powerful thing and something they'll be looking to tap into under Roundtree. We know how big he is on like, culture and identity and all those kind of facets of building a squad. The squad still looks a little light in parts, but I think it's shaping up nicely for them at the moment, and yeah, I think this is a really positive appointment and it is a big step up for him and it's going to be a challenge but you know i'm sure roundtree has full faith in him and yeah another one to kind of watch with interest i I quite like it
0: Mm, absolutely it sounds like monster still looking for a tight head at this stage same boat as Connacht. it's pretty tricky time to be trying to go to market you're kind of scouring south africa predominantly i would say Um, and not a huge amount of budget either really maybe for for both those um provinces and it'll be interesting to see what they can find out there and and whether they can boost their squads as you say maybe light in a couple areas and and that stands out maybe in in both of them I think before we go call it the big one tomorrow Kieron. i I'm sensing you're you're confident about Leinster's chances I am
1: yeah yeah that kind of set piece and power that Toulouse have is is the one little niggling doubt I would have if they can kind of get an upper hand there early on but I think this competition has traditionally shown us that you know the best team throughout the rounds generally wins it and at this stage Leinster have just shown us much more than Toulouse have and you'd have to say they look a lot much better placed heading into this game taking in home advantage and getting to rest their internationals ahead of last weekend and all the rest of it for all the talent in the Toulouse squad, I just think all the small margins are tipping towards Leinster this weekend. And if they start well, like they did against Leicester, against the Toulouse team, who, you know, were were back in Dublin last week, had to go through extra time. They're gonna be tired. They they just haven't quite hit their stride yet this year. I could see Leinster winning this by ten or fifteen points if they if they make the right kind of start to the game. Well, that'll be big.
0: Cheers. Uh, for all that, on looking forward to seeing there tomorrow. Yeah, nice one, Murray. Thanks. Cheers for tuning in as well. Uh, we will be back on Monday, as I mentioned, with the Members podcast. It's members.the42.ie if you want to get involved. We're on every Monday, every Wednesday. We have guest interviews, analysis, and, and chat with Birch and own tooling as well. His stuff is brilliant. So loads of reason to get involved with um, Yeah, big European games, Ireland tour down the line. So members.the42.ie if you want to get involved. But have a fantastic weekend, and we'll catch you soon.